Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On the Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On the Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Eighteen hours and one hundred miles on a mountain bike on a track only barely wide enough for one through some of the toughest mountain terrain imaginable. For most of us, that's the setup to the documentary we'll watch later this evening. For Aaron Hewlett, it was the race he trained for and was about to start, but it was so much more. That race was the culmination of a path he started down during the lowest moments of his life. The loss of his company, his marriage, and more, but a path that took him from atheism to great faith in Jesus. And so much of it happened on a mountain bike. Aaron Hewlett is an author, speaker, and encourager. His new book is Another 20 Feet Through Tragedy, Adventure, and Triumph, One Man's Quest to Understand God's Role. The warmest of greetings to you, good sir. How's it going today? I'm doing great, Ryan. Doing good. And I really appreciate you having me on the road. Oh, it's so good to have you here, man. I mean, an excuse to talk about spiritual growth, motivation, and epic bicycle races. How could we say no? Well, that's a good point. (laughs) All right, brother, set the scene for us when it comes to your faith, because you had some exposure to God earlier in your life, but you spent years basically operatively as an atheist, right? I did. I would say, you know, that it was really a struggle for probably about two decades, and I was I went from limited knowledge of God because I didn't grow up in the church, um, had some knowledge of him through, went through youth group with some friends as I was growing up and a few things. Um, Then I was able to go to a private Christian school for just a year and a half in fourth and fifth grade and uh, part of fourth grade and all of fifth grade. And and luckily that that was a, a little bit of a change for me, but not a huge change because I was literally within a few years after that, I was an atheist and I wanted nothing to do with God. Um, and really didn't for years. And then, uh, I got, I hit the curious stage, uh, maybe in my, in my thirties. And then I hit the convinced stage, I call it after that, but I was still on the fence. I was what I would call a professional lukewarm Christian. <laughs> There's this five-year period then where you have to face what seems to be just tragedy after challenge after tragedy. Can you take us inside what that looked like? It really started um, that, that five-year period started, I had my own mortgage company at the time, and this was in uh, 2009. And, you know, the economy was really making a big change, especially for all of us that were in the housing industry. And, um, you know, I had my life savings in this company had, uh, you know, you know, I was all in and, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, not, uh, I was at the phase in my life where I was that professional lukewarm Christian, you know, and I wasn't really that close to the Lord, and tragedy hit, and that was the first domino. Um, and then it was the next few years was just wave after wave of you know financial loss, and then um, then ultimately ended up in the in the uh, downfall of my marriage. And um, it was one tidal wave after another is the way I describe it. It's interesting the way that you talk about this period because you lose so much financially, emotionally, 
uh, spiritually, yeah. but you also talk about losing some things that you needed to lose. One of those you say is pride. You know, that was the biggest thing that I had lost during that period, which is at the time I had no idea. I had what I consider the worst kind of pride. You know, there's a pride that you, when someone, maybe they're prideful about maybe the house they own or the car they drive or maybe their kids or whatever they're prideful about, things on the outside. But I had the what I call the worst kind of pride because it was on the inside and I didn't even know about it. Hmm. It was a pride that was kind of a, a, the best way to describe it would be, I was, it was a self-made pride. Like I did this, I created this life and, and, uh, and you know, that pride carried over directly right into my relationship with God because I didn't really feel like I needed him, um, until, you know, I hit those, those tidal waves in my life and, uh, you know, and he literally stripped that pride. I mean, it took him a while. I was fighting him. It, it took him a few years. Um, and I still work on it. I think, you know, we never arrive in our relationship, in our walk with God, we're always constantly learning and, and progressing. You go from an atheism that you talk about years before, yeah. you know, that, that organized, that concerted belief that God is not real, then to coming yeah. to a place where this faith is about to grow and flourish in ways we'll continue to unpack. I mean, is there is there a moment? Is it a process of becoming open to something that you have believed just doesn't exist for so long. And that's such a great question because there, there was, there was several things in my life that really happened to get me from not believing in God to, to really kind of getting to the curious stage. Um, My kids were getting a little bit older and, and, you know, sometimes when, as your kids get a little older and as you start to experience life a little bit more and you get a little bit seasoned, so to speak, you kind of realize you don't, you know, know everything like you think, you know, when you're younger (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so, so some doorways started to open up, you know, for me with God. And, and then eventually, you know, I just got to the point where I got so sick of all these other religions. And I was kind of a curious religion seeker. Oh, sure. And I never really dove, you know, maybe head first into, say, Buddhism or any New Age stuff. But I was always curious about it. And I was really just a sponge of the culture is probably the best way to say it, Ryan. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's the, uh, the the biggest example I could probably think of is people refer to the universe often. And, and, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of my friends still, you know, that are, are, are uh, they're not Christians at all. They, you know, they say, well, you know, the universe will take care of it. Or the, and I, and I, at one point in my life, I finally said, who or what is the universe? Uh. And as I started to look at all these other religions, because I was kind of in my mind, I was, I wanted Christianity to be true, but I was really kind of in my mind trying to prove that was false too. So I could at least get it over with. Cause there's always this little nagging thing in the back of my mind that was just had to know, like, is God real? Is he there? Is this whole thing? Is it real? So, and as I peeled back the layers of all these other religions at the surface, they all say, Oh yeah, we're the same. And it's all about love and peace and all the things you want to hear. But, but again, as soon as I peel back the layers, I could immediately see that these religions were not all the same. Um, and I believe in absolute truth. I, I know if the apple's red, the apple's red, orange <laughs> is orange, it's orange, you know? Yes. Um, there is absolute truth, and uh, it took me a while to find it, but thank God I did. Wow, yeah, there's the way to say it. Aaron Hewlett is with us today on the road for Faith Radio. Aaron is an author, a speaker, and an encourager. And I think in just these brief seven and a half minutes, you can already understand how that is true, but his new book is Another 20 Feet, 
through tragedy, adventure, and triumph, one man's quest to understand God's role. Maybe you caught in the intro to the show that epic mountain bike racing was going to be a part of this conversation. You're thinking, where is the bike? Where is the bike? Okay, here it yeah. is, my friend. Aaron, you have this love of mountain biking, and it's something you do for fitness, you do it for fun, but it also becomes one of the key ways you connect with God, right? I, it was right in the middle of this this uh, period that we had talked about where I was uh, just having the worst time in my life in that five-year period. And uh, I made a decision one day, Ryan, and and, uh, and you probably read a little bit about it in the book. And, and I'm not going to have a huge spoiler because those people that are listening, probably a lot of them haven't read the book. But I, the simple decision one day was I was getting in, in, in better physical shape. I had started to get in better shape for for the previous year prior to that. I started riding my bike and I always wanted to ride my bike. I just, I just never took the time to do it. And, uh, I made a decision one day in my driveway in the morning and did a bike ride right before work. And I said, from this day forward, I'm going to ride and in every single ride I do is I'm going to spend time with God. And I had no idea what that was going to look like or what that was going to lead to. And in the book, I talk about this in a lot more detail, but I, I was actually you know, I was not big on prayer at that point. Um, I was just starting to get into it a little bit, just starting to get more into the Bible a little bit. So I would just pray before each ride. I would not overthink it at all. I would just pray and say, Lord, you tell me what we're going to listen to today or what we're going to do today. I'd scroll through my phone. I'd put my phone on do not disturb so no one could disturb us. And uh, I would listen to whatever podcast or sermon, audio sermon or whatever, even music. Um, whatever faith music he'd have me listen to that day. And I still do that to this day, Ryan. I did it yesterday you know, for bike riding. That was the major game changer because when you start to spend that much time with your creator, and, and I do long-distance endurance racing, so I ride my bike a lot. Um, I do the 50- and 100-mile off-road races. So God and I get to spend a lot of time together <laughs> on that bike. <laughs> I mean, it comes up again and again. You You talked about it briefly before, but just that simple act of listening, and maybe act is even perhaps the wrong word, but just taking the time to listen, it's its not something we're good at in 2020. This is not what our culture and our society has built us toward. Yeah, listening is tough. And, and uh, it, you know, it's an absolute must when, I, when it comes to our relationship with God because, or any relationship really, if you think about it, um, you know, and, and listening, there's a, there's a section in the book um, uh, regarding listening and, and uh, I call it listening prayers, and, and uh, you know, it's it's really more about sometimes in, in prayer when we communicate with God, you know, sometimes it's so easy for us to just, you know, start praying and dump all this stuff on them. I, Lord, I need help with this, and I don't know how I'm going to get the kids to soccer today, and then this is this bill's due, or wh- whatever whatever's going on in our lives, right? Sure. Sometimes we just don't slow down and take a little time to listen, and, and, and God will communicate with us, and, and uh, sometimes... He, he has his own language. Sometimes he doesn't always com- communicate with us exactly the way we want it to be or the way we think it should be, but he's the creator of the entire universe. He's in charge, you know? A very excellent yeah. point. Well, yeah. one of the central journeys here is your preparation for and your racing of this 100-mile epic. I'm going to try to pronounce it, but yeah. you give me a grade. See how I do. The okay. Mari, Mari Gesick bike race. How was that? Pretty close. It's the Margie Gessick. It's a bike race up in, I, I live in Michigan, and this bike race is in the upper peninsula of Michigan, which is the far north end of our state. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it, it's basically, it's probably, you know, my opinion, it's the hardest race in the nation, but a lot of people have the same opinion. There's a 
there's quite a few hundred mile off-road mountain bike races, but this one's, you know, it's all single track. It's all rough terrain. You don't get to ride on the road. You don't even get to ride on dirt roads. Um, it's all Man. rocky, chunky terrain through the back country up there. And, and, uh, I made a decision one time to, uh, and it's in the book, uh, uh, the details of how this, uh, came to be. And, you know, I had no idea that my passion for biking would ever, ever lead to anything like this, this relationship with God, or even a book for that matter. I had no plans of anything like this years ago. The story is pretty amazing how God got me through that race. I had signed up for it. Never, ever had done anything like that in my life before. Had done some short mountain bike racing for a few years prior, but, you know, nothing on that level at all. And I just really, really had prayed about it and really felt God wanted me to do this race. Mm. And uh, honestly, if I wouldn't have done the race, we wouldn't be talking right now. I would not have written another 20 feet huge part of the story well if you're just tuning in and listening to the description of this epic bike race and this spiritual journey this is mr aaron hewlett with us today he's an author a speaker and an encourager and the book is called another 20 feet through tragedy adventure and triumph one man's quest to understand god's role ryan thomas with you on the road for faith radio as a description and you you had prepared and this journey of preparation we'll talk about in just a moment but one of the most difficult things about this you say it was a single track mountain bike race what is the significance of that why is that so tough this single track racing is is um you know the the trail is just wide enough to get your bike through you can't get two bikes next to each other through it so it's it's just a little foot trail basically through the woods um, that might be the best way most people would would uh, would probably associate it. Um, just wide enough to get your handlebars through, and it's usually the roughest terrain. It's terrain where the you know the, there's no there are no roads or anything along those lines. And um, you know, single track leading into this, um, I had to do a lot of preparation before this this race because I had done. I think I mentioned earlier I had done some mountain bike racing, but never on terrain like this. And I really had to prepare for it. Now, actually, it really intimidated me. Um, I thought I was crazy <laughs> during that whole summer <laughs> training for this race. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> but yeah, there was a lot of preparation for it and, uh, a lot of prayer too. And you know, the amazing thing is I talked a minute ago about God's a God of precision and, and he knew everything that was going to happen in advance before the race, the whole training season, everything. But I spent so much time with him that summer that, you know, I did have a, a physical coach and I talk about her in the book too, Jackie. She was phenomenal. Um, but I always knew that God was the head coach and he had ultimate say over everything in that training season, that preparation season. And if I had trouble with my bike or I couldn't get a piece of gear down correctly, or if I had trouble with my training, I would always go to him in prayer first. And, and of course, he's still my head coach in everything I do in my racing now. And um, he's my head coach in life. Let's take a look a bit deeper on the day of the race itself, Aaron. This is a race that would be nearly 18 hours long for you. It it basically, as you read it, I mean, it seems like a lifetime out there considering everything you go through in that day. But to take it step by step, the first leg of the journey is this crazily rough terrain. You're having to adjust your supplies, repack your items, but you're still going. You're still upright until you're not, until you crash. Yeah, the, the crash with that first 
big crash was my only major crash in the race and and I, you know, I was coming through a rough section and the, the roots up there, up in this area of our state are just, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, they're four or five, six inches tall out of the ground, <laughs> but laying sideways on the trail all over the place too. There isn't four or five roots in a little section of trail. It's just littered with them. And I was coming through a section and, and, um, and I just, you, you know, I had trained down what I call downstate in Michigan here where the terrain's a lot flatter and a lot smoother. And, I had all my gear strapped on my bike the way it had to be so I could get through my through the race because this is a self-supported race. You don't have a lot of people helping you throughout the race. You have to pack it in on your bike, so to speak. And I just had so – I just had not experienced this rougher terrain before. And the gear wasn't even staying on my bike. The bags that I had strapped to my bike, they wouldn't stay on because the terrain was so rough. And when I crashed, you know, my Garmin went one way and my like my tool bag went another way. And it was just – it was a mess, but – um, it was, you know, I write in the book, I, I share a little bit about, you know, life is the same way. It's such the same way. You know, we have crashes that happen and sometimes no matter how hard you try to prepare for something, you just can't, you just can't prepare for it until you actually get into the action itself. So, and, and life can be just like that. I mean, in a certain point in the race, you actually, you miss one of the markers and you actually are lost for a while, Right. Yeah, and and I got lost, and and you know, there's one huge hill in the race, and a lot of the hills there are really short, steep, rocky hills, but there's there's one that's called Marquette Mountain, and there's a Marquette Mountain Road. Now that I've ridden back there multiple times, I know right where this road is, and it's the biggest climb in the entire area up there, and that's where I got lost. I went down this hill. I don't know what I was thinking. I went down. Um, it was almost like this uh, gravel road. It was kind of a dead end two track, they call it. And uh, I got lost for, for quite a while, a little under an hour. And, you know, when I got lost, I, I, I had missed a simple turn. I just, you get fatigued. And I, at that point, I had been on the bike for a, a number of hours. And, um, you know, you when you get that fatigued, you just, you, you can't think straight. You're just kind of on autopilot in a sense. So it's easy to miss a turn, easy to miss a trail marker. And, uh got lost for quite a while. And then, and then panic sets in, you know, you think, okay, you know, where am I at? Cause I'm out in the middle of the wilderness. At this point, I didn't know that area well at all. I do now, but um, you know, I wasn't really that far from the trail, but in my mind, I thought I was miles away. I had no idea. And I had to climb all the way back up that hill, which is the biggest climb in the race. So I climbed it twice. And, uh, and you know, I just had this little feeling of peace. I was kind of panicking a little bit and I thought, I had a direction, two directions I could go in one direction. I just, I just gave it to God. I said, God, am I going to go back down this hill or am I going to go, or, or am I going to go back up the hill? Cause there was a trail that went downhill. I was looking at, and I really wanted to take that. And I just stopped for a second, stopped my bike, stopped everything and said, Lord, you just show me where to go. Show me what to do. And I just had this little feeling of peace about going back up the hill. And I didn't overthink it at all. I just immediately went with it. Thank God I did because I did ride all the way back up the hill. But as soon as I got to the top of the hill, I was right back on track because I saw the trail marker that I had missed. And isn't that so much like life, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it absolutely is. There are so it many is. parts and you detail it beautifully in another 20 feet. Aaron Hewlett with us today. An amazing journey. The Margie Gisek. How was that? 
It was close. You got the first word right. That's good. Progress. <laughs> <Margie gets> it. <laughs> Progress is being made. Uh, the bike yeah. race, an incredible 100-mile bike race. And you can pick up the book to hear how he makes it to the end of the race. But after everything that you've been through that day to reach that finish line, and I believe it was, it was 18 hours, right? How, how did that feel? Correct. Yeah, uh, when I hit the finish line, man, it felt good. <laughs> it felt really good. And, and actually, it's going to sound a little strange, but I was so numb and a little bit out, out of sorts, you know, because at that point, you're, you're, you're literally on autopilot. Your brain's on autopilot. Your body's on autopilot. It took me a little while after I crossed the finish line to realize that I did it. I, 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 I did it. So, you know, it wasn't until I got a piece of hot pizza in my hand from the little pizza place right at the finish line that, that I realized, man, I don't have to eat these gooey gels and drink this, uh, this powdery drink mix that I had been drinking and eating all day. And I finally got to, got to eat a big slice of pizza. Man, it was delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Best pizza I've ever had. (laughs) Oh man, I'll bet it was. Oh, well, thank you so much for taking us through that. Just an incredible journey. It's so much fun uh, to read it because you take us through really uh, so many incredible things that happened in those 18 hours. In just the last couple minutes that we have, there are so many things I want to ask you, but you talk about really the central thing that you want to communicate in the book as being that you want to help us to take our understanding of God as being just in our heads and just in our intellects and also putting that in our hearts. Unpack that a little bit if you could for us, sir. Absolutely. You know, I, I just uh, spoke at a church here just a couple of days ago, and, and we talked about that that same topic. And, and, you know, for me, that was, you know, getting God from my head to my heart. When I'd heard about it for years, Ryan, and I just, I, I never really could connect with it. I didn't really know what it meant. And, you know, again, thank God he brought a mentor in my life while I was, while I was in that five-year storm and this gentleman's name was George, and I talk about him in, our, in the book. And George had an actual relationship with God that I had never, I had never seen it lived out before. I had heard people talk about it. I'd heard people say they've been close to God, but George had God in his heart. He didn't. He had him in his head. He had a lot of Bible knowledge, and George does. But this guy just lives, and, and he just came to the service on Sunday. I just saw him. And he just literally lives with God, you know, God first, and 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 and, uh, and, and he lives with his heart, um, and, and that's the only way I can say it. Um, having God in your heart is is really having a relationship with Him, and the definition of a relationship is is being connected. That's all it is. If you look it up in the dictionary, and and when you're connected with someone, uh, if you have, you know, you you know a lot about them. Take your spouse for example, or or maybe a brother or sister a family member that you've been around for a long time, say a lot of years, you know that person really well. And, and, and you know, we can develop that relationship with God. We can get him in our heart. And, and uh, we can do that through having that relationship with him. But it happens over time, just like that relationship happened over time with your spouse, spouse or that family member. Um, I'll kind of leave it on this note. My, my stepdaughter had asked me um, quite a few months ago, you know, she had said to me uh, one day, she said, well, I was reading, you know, I read my Bible and sometimes it just doesn't connect with me. And it just doesn't, you know, I just don't get some of the stuff in it. And she's been reading her Bible for quite a few years. She's 19. 
and I didn't have an answer for her, um, you know, and I don't always have an answer. You know, we don't, as Christians, you know, we don't, we don't know everything for sure, but I always take it to God. And I took this to God. Um, I said, Lord, I, I really didn't know what to say to her. I was kind of surprised that I didn't know what to say to her. Um, so I prayed about it and, and God said, have her read it with her heart. I just, I just felt that presence of the Lord telling me that. Well, it is a one of a kind journey, uh, growth in life growth in faith and incredible voyages on the bicycle. It really is an adventure. It is called Another 20 Feet Through Tragedy, Adventure, and Triumph, One Man's Quest to Understand God's Role. Mr. Aaron Hewlett has been with us today. Sir, what a pleasure to meet you. What a delight to have you on the show. And I know that if people want to pick up a copy of the book, they can go to Amazon or your website, correct? Yes, they can go to Amazon or my website is the, the same as the title of the book. It's Another 20 Feet, and you can find out more information there. I'm also on Facebook or Instagram. It's Aaron Hewlett, author. Um, if, you, if you type that in, you'll, you'll be good to go. You'll find me on there. But again, everything's on another20feet.com as well. Um, there's some additional information on there uh, also. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being with us, man. It was just a delight to have you here today. Well, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, it's been a great experience. And I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On the Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at MyFaithRadio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On the Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook. And our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.